All right, everybody. Uh, welcome back to This Week in Startups. It's another full news Monday because the weekend just keeps delivering. God, we are going to have to go seven days a week. <laughs> well, the Sunday <laughs> show was just, great, yeah kept coming. So it's a wrap-up show today, news wrap-up. We're going to talk about the Joe Rogan Spotify fallout. It just continues. Uh, and we basically set some odds. Will Joe Rogan finish his contract with Spotify? Molly and I play some bets. Then we cover Facebook or, you know, Meta warning about how they're going to have to pull their services out of Europe due to privacy regulations, a threat that might not be as scary as they think it is. And then we cover the GoFundMe decision. Uh, to pull uh, funding for the Canadian Truckers Convoy and uh, and get a chance to uh, do a 360 dunk with an incredibly perfectly timed layup alley-oop pass from Mollywood about Amazon buying Peloton. It's going to be a great show. Stick with us. This Week in Startups is brought to you by Our Crowd helps you invest early in pre-IPO companies alongside professional VCs. If you're interested in investing, you can join our crowd for free at OURCROWD.com slash twist lemon.io. Need to speed up your product development without draining your budget? Hire vetted engineers from Europe at lemon.io. Go to lemon.io slash twist to get 15% off for the first four weeks. And Superside. Ambitious companies need the right design partner in their tech stack, one that doesn't sacrifice quality for speed. Get $3,000 or more in credits when you sign up for an annual subscription at superside.com slash twist. Hey everyone. So, okay. It is a news show today. Heaven help us. We wish this were not the case, but it is the case. The Spotify story just keeps going. Reports emerged over the weekend, uh, a video, in fact, by the singer India Ari, who has joined the cavalcade of musicians asking for her music to be removed from Spotify. She posted a video, uh, essentially a supercut of Joe Rogan, repeatedly using the N-word over the years in his podcast. Uh, over the weekend, also, Spotify just went ahead and disappeared about 70 different episodes of the podcast in which the word was used. Today, I think, or late yesterday, Spotify CEO Daniel Eck, we're recording this on Monday. Of course, you're hearing it on Monday. Spotify CEO Daniel Eck apologized to staff over basically how hard this is for everybody, the usage, everything that is happening, but reiterated that Spotify does not want to, quote, silence Joe Rogan, that that would be the wrong response. And then on top of that, I, I like don't even want to fall into the trap of calling it pro-free speech, but the platforms that are labeling themselves pro-free speech, in this case, the video platform Rumble, came along and offered Joe Rogan $100 million, apparently not believing Daniel Eck when he says we're going to keep him on the platform and said, come on over here. We're ready to fight alongside you. Let's mm. freaking go. This is, by the way, he says, totally legit. Wait, Heaven what is this? Us. Oh, oh, that's the this letter. This is the Got letter it. from the CEO of Rumble. If you're watching the video, which you can do on Spotify now with their news. Video. <laughs> <laughs> ah, nice one. There you go. <laughs> Thank you, Daniel, for including us in the video trial, which we'll probably be kicked out of because we're going to criticize Spotify. Any minute now. now. We're going to get kicked Any out. Minute Any minute now. We're going to be banned from Spotify. I mean, this is such a circular story because here we are as a Spotify partner talking about it podcasts are taking themselves off. I was on a previous episode telling Spotify don't break standards. I mean, it's this whole thing is so convoluted. I want to double click on one thing here. Mm -hmm. And it's not the N-word debate. Let's put that on the side for now. Yeah. Um, that's it's like not our show. 
<laughs> that's not exactly what we do here, but maybe we'll get into it a little bit later in the show. But let's talk about one thing here, which I think is, um, I think, intellectually dishonest by Daniel Eck. And I disagree with him on. Mm-hmm. All right. So he says, I don't believe that silencing Joe is the answer. We should have clear lines around content and take action when they are crossed. But canceling voices is a slippery slope. Okay, sure. Okay, that's like a generic sentence that none of us can kind of disagree with. We silence it. Nobody wants to silence voices. And, right. you know, everybody wants to have clear lines, although clear lines are really hard because in the case of this word, it's as Joe Rogan said in his like uh, apology, it was a clear apology, mea culpa, whatever. Uh, he said like his thoughts on this word have changed because it's a unique word in the English language and some people are allowed to use it, other people aren't, yada, yada, standards have changed. Putting all that aside, Daniel X says, we are not the publisher of JRE, Joe Rogan Experience, but perception due to our exclusive license implies otherwise. So I am committing to an incremental investment of $100 million for the licensing, developing, and marketing of music, artists, stories, and audio content from historically marginalized groups. So here we go. Mm-hmm. This is the standard, you know, oh my goodness, you're fining me $25,000, i will donate 25000 to charity move. It is a meaningless move because it's such a large amount of money that, you know, like it doesn't, I, I kind of find when people do this, it's like for somebody with a whatever tens of billions of dollars the company's worth, it's kind of like a window dressing kind of thing. I, I don't like these kind of moves um, because nope. it's, it's trying to divert you from the real issue. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the real issue here is, but perception due to our exclusive license implies otherwise. I have talked many times about what makes a publisher and over the weekend, when I was skiing, it clicked for me. Mm-hmm. If you pay, promote, or publish, <laughs> you're a publisher. Yep. Okay? Yep. I, I use three Ps, so it's easy. This is Jason's rule of if you're a publisher. This is the test. Do you promote, pay, and publish? If you do two of those things, you're a publisher. Yep. If you do all three, certainly. But two yep. or more, you're now a publisher. So let's go through those. Is Spotify paying Joe Rogan? Yes. Are they promoting Joe Rogan? Yes. And are they publishing Joe Rogan? Not exactly, because Joe Rogan publishes his original audio feeds and they just take them, just like they take ours and any other pu- publisher. So you can't see me, the- but I'm trying to hold up half a finger for those who oh, are on the audio. Perfect. <laughs> so it's yes. like, yeah. it, so it is. So it's, it 2. Hurts, point, it's yes, 2. 2.5. It's 2.5. I 2. would 2. add 2.5. one more criteria. Okay, go ahead. Actually. Sure. And this, to me, is the nail in the coffin of this argument. And that is, do you choose the content? Oh, right. Sorry. That, I right? messed up my own piece. So, like, not only... It was four Ps. Produce four was my other P. Start well, the whole... Produce so is a little bit different, it? though. Produce would imply, do you are your producers editing. involved in choosing the content? Do you yes. edit it yourselves? So, but take what out Spotify publishing. has done here... Say produce. Yeah. Go ahead. ...is chosen. Yes. They went out. They made an editorial choice yes. to give Joe they Rogan. They pursued him. They pursued him. A $100 million exclusive license yes. to publish mm-hmm. his show. They made that editorial choice. And in attempting to resolve the issue in some way, what Daniel Eck announced was more editorial choices. Now, I have to give full credit to Alex, uh, our friend Alex Wilhelm on the Equity Podcast for pointing oh, that out great. this morning. But it's like you're trying to counter your editorial choice mm. by making more editorial choices. Choices, yes. So that shows that it's a suggestion. So let me you're restate my rule. I, if CBS did that, there would be rules. 
So this is why I came with the two or three. You, you, yeah, yeah. you nailed it. God, you're so smart. If you pay, <laughs> promote, or produce, not publish. Sorry, I meant produce. Mm. Produce. If you do two of those three, you're a publisher. So do they produce Joe Rogan? No, they do not pick the guests. They do not edit it. But they do the other two. Therefore, under the new rule for the internet, this is the new interweb rule. If you do two of those three, you are. Now let's take YouTube as an example. And let's take our show on YouTube. Yep. Do they pay us? Nope. Nope. They pay other people, but they don't pay us. So no pay. Do they produce us? Obviously not. And do they promote us? No, there is an algorithm, but that's not promotion in my mind. That's just the algorithm showing you things you might like. If they did pick like, hey, we're featuring these people because they're paid partners. Yes. So there are people on YouTube who get paid. They are promoted. There's a group of people who they do promote at YouTube, right? Mm -hmm. That they mm -hmm. have relationships with. Yeah. That when they do like their year-end roundup of the best of YouTube, that's promotion. And they might promote people in promotion slots. And then the third one is, do they produce and they don't produce? So there are some cases on YouTube where they are doing two out of the three. Right. And so absolutely, Spotify is absolutely the publisher of JRE. Yep. So stop with that, Daniel. Yep. You are wrong. You are the publisher of JRE. You're not the producer, but you are the publisher because you have an exclusive, you pay, and you promote. We're done and here. And Spotify has made multiple editorial decisions with other podcasts that they have not yet made with Joe Rogan with respect to COVID-19 content. They have made editorial decisions when they published his catalog originally. They made mm -hmm. editorial decisions and removed a bunch of shows. They have now taken the step of making an editorial decision to remove 70 episodes in which he says the N-word. So, like, there's no question that that argument is dishonest and that and that that is why. Intellectually frankly, dishonest argument. That's why this is an ongoing problem for Spotify from a business perspective, yes. because this is an indefensible argument. However, it's also representative of a failure of regulation all the way down, right? The the U, the United States government has been sidestepping this exact conversation for 15 years. Yeah. What is a publisher and what like we and again, I'm not necessarily arguing for regulation in this case. What I'm saying is there aren't clear rules for for this whole massive swath of our economy, but there are clear rules for newspapers and for yes. broadcasters, right? So, if you are CBS, like, let's explain the mechanics of TV for a minute. CBS has lots of shows that it airs on cable television that are subject to the rules of the Federal Communications Commission with respect to obscenity and indecency and all of the weird rules, nip slip stuff. And most of those shows, CBS chooses editorial, editorially pays for and promotes and does not produce. Correct. They hire outside production companies exactly like Joe Rogan's to make TV shows for them that they have commissioned and chosen and they put on the air. And as a result, CBS is a publisher of those shows, even though they were not filmed in CBS studios or, or edited by CBS staff. So you have a situation where on cable television, for example, one set of rules applies and you have huge streaming platforms that are commissioning and distributing exclusive content and those rules don't apply at all. And that is the situation we find ourselves in. And frankly, we have never had an example as clear cut as Spotify to work yeah, I think with. This, is this is like actually, a new test. I think the new test that I came up with is the new test and you refined. Here is the new test. And it really should have been obvious to everybody. Facebook, Twitter, 
and YouTube are doing less than two of the three, right? Mm -hmm. You post an update to Twitter, if it's a video or TikTok or any of these social networks, they didn't pay you in most cases, uh, almost all cases. They didn't promote you in all cases, and they certainly didn't produce it. So zero of three on platforms. So let's look at the platforms, WordPress, Squarespace, Twitter, Facebook. Now, when those services start sharing revenue with you, they now have turned on one of the three lights, okay? We we flipped on the switch. If you join the creator program on TikTok, if you join the creator program on YouTube, now they're moving more towards publishing, but they're not quite there yet, are they? They're just sharing revenue. They still don't promote you and they still don't produce you. Mm -hmm. Sharing revenue, I don't think makes you a, a publisher. Sharing revenue makes you a platform that shares revenue. But now you turn on any of those other two lights, now you're in the danger territory. The second you promote it, in order to get more money for you and the partner, you're now making an editorial decision. You are a producer. Mm-hmm. Or if you say, uh, I think if you in retrospect say we're going to start taking stuff down because it impedes our ability to make money because it creates you know negative whatever, I think now you're also starting to get into that. So it's like, I guess my question to you, Molly, is retroactively turning stuff off. Is that mm-hmm. producing or is it like, banning stuff that is against the terms of service. I could see both arguments. Retroactively. Oh, well, this is why we have... This, I think, is exactly why... Your question is exactly why regulators and everybody else have totally dodged the question of platform versus publisher because it's super messy on every level. And even as much as we want, you know, the YouTube delineation to be different, it's not because they have a maker studio where they actually have people come in and use their own production resources to create Which is producing. That one's clearly producing. producing. Facebook has commissioned uh, editorial and had makes a ton of editorial decisions about what is or is not on the platform and yet is constantly insisting that it's not a publisher, right? And it's skated the line. What I think makes Spotify so... In- so we've just been like, you know what? It's too messy. We're just going to like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. We're going to let okay. them have this because business and blah, blah, blah. Spotify now comes along and is this very clear cut situation where they have paid for it, where they've done all the piece, right? Mm. And we don't know what to do. It's time for another R Crowd Deal of the Week. Right now, you can join R Crowd's investment in HIL Applied Medical. According to the deal memo, they are using Nobel Prize winning technology to bring the most advanced radiotherapy treatment to cancer patients. HIL's world first laser based system has earned them an agreement with Proton International, which is the largest proton therapy operator in the US and Europe. And you can invest at rcrowd.com slash twist right now. All over the world, companies like HIL Applied Medical are innovating and driving returns for investors. Rcrowd analyzes many of these companies, and they select the ones with the greatest growth potential, and they bring them to you. From personalized medicine to cybersecurity and now proton therapy, a $20 billion total addressable market according to the deal memo. In state-of-the-art labs, startup garages, and anywhere in between, Rcrowd identifies innovators so you can invest when growth potential is greatest, and that's early. So here's your CTA, the old call to action. If you are an accredited investor, you can join Rcrowd for free at OURCROWD.com slash twist. And then you get to review all those great deal memos. That's Rcrowd.com slash twist to sign up for free. Now, we know what to do here. I'll tell you what's going to happen here. This heat, I'm going to just give a prediction. Okay. This heat ain't stopping. No, not at all. It's going to double down. They're going to find even more offensive stuff. 
that comedian Joe Rogan has said. Mm-hmm. Because what we have here is a very, very unique situation. And I want to get your take on this. Joe Rogan is the most successful podcaster of all time. Do we agree on that premise? Yeah, that's would fair. He's been paid mm-hmm. the most. He well, hit yeah. number one. I mean, I don't know what criteria we're using here. Certainly the most influential. He gets the most listens per episode. He is the most influential. He gets the top guests. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if whatever criteria, money, yep. listens, and guests, he's number one. Yeah. Fine. He's number one, and he's doing random acts of journalism. He is interviewing presidential candidates in addition to MMA fighters or comedians or whatever. So his influence is so great that he dwarfs the media who are covering him. Many of the people in the media who are covering him have podcasts. (laughs) And they have vibrant podcast business. Now, I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist here, but I do think part of what we're seeing here is the media media institutions, I'm talking New York Times or Vox or whatever group it is, is looking at Joe Rogan saying, this guy's number one. And we're in the podcasting business as well. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of jealousy here on the position he's gone to and a little bit of questioning of why is he getting 10, 100 times the amount of traffic we're getting for our top podcasts? What do you think of this angle to the story that Joe Rogan is now the most influential interviewer in the world, which is an act of journalism? What do you think of that? What is the end result of what you're asking? Are you asking... Uh, Is there also a media conspiracy to take down Joe Rogan? Not conspiracy. I don't Uh think it's a coordinated effort. But do you think there is a, "Eh, this guy's competitive with what we do, pile on? Could be happening more on an individual basis, let's say, where people who are commentators in the space Mm -hmm. are a little jealous of what he's achieved. Could be unconscious, could be conscious. I can't, you know, it's hard to judge if there's an unconscious bias here. But he is an outsider who has beaten all media outlets in this medium. I think that there is probably, there's without a doubt frustration, I think, among members of the media about how hard, about the, the sense that like, I mean, I used to make this joke all the time way back in 2006 or seven when I was like working hard to write funny jokes for a web show and then people would blow up on YouTube for falling off a chair. Right. I was like, Mm -hmm. why am I why am I like researching this and making sure it's correct and toiling and doing all this work and then carefully crafting a joke to deliver it when I could just be falling off my chair and making tons of money. So there Mm -hmm. probably is some sense of just like, what the hell? And then also people come along and they're like, I don't listen to you anymore. New York Times. I listen to Joe Rogan. Yes. Got to be frustrating. And Joe Rogan doesn't have a team of editors making sure that the things, you know, he's he's just like, I'm just a comedian. I'm just following questions, asking questions. I don't prepare. I don't prepare. So, of course, that feels crappy when you work your entire (laughs) life. Yes. Right. Like, there's no question that that feels crappy. Yeah. But I think then what happens is. So. Sure. Right. There are probably tons of people who have just been waiting for this. Moment. Waiting for this. They've moment. just been waiting for Joe Rogan's step ever since Spotify, frankly, signed him. Right. Because that yes. was always like, by the way, talk about wandering into a minefield. Yes. As soon as Spotify signed him, they became responsible for all the stuff he says on some level in people's yes. minds. And everybody's just been sitting here like waiting, waiting, waiting. He's going to say something that we get to trounce him. Yes. No question. But I think that's still very separate from the business decision that Spotify has made and the situation they find themselves in now. But it definitely means, to your point, 
is not going away at all. Everybody's no. in love with the Joe Rogan story, whether they're pro Joe or mm. like have been waiting for him to inevitably take a fall. Okay, so here we go. Now we, we start setting some odds. We start making some gambling. As my influence over poor Molly <laughs> and making her a degenerate gambler like me <laughs> continues. She's betting on startups. Now we're going to get a little sushi bet going here. Oh, God. <laughs> Let's go. We got to come up with odds for, I may need Nick to get in here because he's, mm -hmm. he's a gambler mm -hmm. as well. How should we set odds, producer Nick, for, and leave this in the show, please, Nick, because I, I want this, you giving some. Uh, this is on the record, Nick. Sorry. It's on the record stuff here. Oh, I'm sorry. That's what we don't have to sorry, say that. Your quick journalism. time, Nick. We, Nick, how many seconds is I your quick time? I wasn't prepared for this. You weren't prepared for this. You can come on air too if you want. How should we set a line, producer Nick, for Joe Rogan not continuing with Spotify? Should we lay odds five to one? Should we do the number of months and he stays on air because we don't know how long his contract is? How would you frame a bet of Joe Rogan continues with Spotify or not in this contract? His contract ends early, let's say, in some way. You can't really make it a yes or no because his contract is going to end at some point. Correct. So it would have to be, does he make it to the end of his contract? Yes or no? Okay. I think right. it's a good way to frame it. Mm -hmm. Another right. way could be the, if you actually think that, you know, you'd have to know from this point forward, what are the amount of months he has left on the deal? Which we don't know. People say it could be three, four or five years is what I've heard. And what, a it was a hundred million a year or a hundred million? No, million it was a hundred million was the total value. Mm. So if it was three years, it was 33 million, four, it was 25, five, it was 20. So we don't actually know that. Yeah. We know that his contract has at least another year on it, right? I think we'd all agree. It has to. Has sure. to. There wouldn't be so, this much hullabaloo if there wasn't that much time right. left. So I guess the way we could do it is Joe Rogan completes another year of his contract. Nick, I'm going to ask you to set a line for us. Could we finish his contract or we could do like a number of months? Or we could set, let's set both lines. These yes. lines are, they change rapidly. Like if you yes. watch the line for the election this past or in 2020, you know, Trump at one point, like at like 8 p.m. was minus 350. And then two hours later when they you found out that Philly hadn't reported yet, and that was the biggest thing in Pennsylvania, and that was going to swing the state, then Biden went to almost even and Biden was like plus a ton of money, right? right. So these things rapidly change. So I'm making these lines based off Daniel Eck defending Rogan yesterday. Okay. Got, yes, correct. For people watching. Right. It could change if the, if the employees decide they're going to do a walkout walk and strike. Out, obviously, the line will swing the other way. But right What if a bunch now, of sponsors say they're not going to advertise? Totally. Right? But right now, all information considered, I think Rogan leaving, not ending 2022 with the Spotify deal is like plus 450. So if you bet $10, you would win 45 so pretty long odds, I think. Because you think it's very unlikely. I think it's relatively unlikely based yeah. on every- That he will not finish his contract out, or 2022? 2022. Ending, okay. he's going to end 2022 as a Spotify employee, I think, or a Spotify exclusive. partnership, exclusive, whatever. And another reason why is, I, I just dropped this in there, but uh, Nilay Patel, who is the editor-in-chief at The Verge, yeah. uh, he was retweeted by Kara Swisher. He made a really, really good point. I just added it to the notes, but I can bring it up. Essentially saying- Spotify has been struggling to make deals with critical hardware partners like Amazon, Google, and Tesla because they were build, they're all building similar streaming services. And to combat this, Spotify said that they needed to find some leverage. And one way they did that was in the form of exclusives. So they're using Rogan as a way to yes. make deals with other big tech players. Yes. So it seems like hmm. he's actually weirdly important to them and of how they're going to be bargaining. Though, weirdly. If, but if that's yeah. the case... 
could he is there an equally strong argument to be made that he is now a liability, liability in that totally. effort yeah mm. right wow, like though, okay. and i would say point. that's equally strong okay give us the line on him finishing his contract too probably like plus 250 i knew you were gonna say plus 250 yeah <laughs> the year one right that's 2022 he won't finish 2022 with spotify those are longer odds those are meaning longer that odds. there's a that less likely, likely chance it, i think it. of that happening right okay. so that's plus 450 that's 200 points higher you would bet 100 and you would win 250 if he ended his contract before Early. 2025 or now what if i wanted to do the opposite uh -huh. i wanted to bet that he stays to the end of his contract so the odds would be shorter because that's a higher likelihood or that's right. a lower likelihood. So you would bet 250 right. to get 100. No, it would, they would cheat because there needs to be a VIG. So it's like usually, you know, it might be okay, like but just for simplicity, 200. for simplicity here. Yeah, you probably bet 200 to win 100, something like that. Okay, right. So if you take the other odds, you would be betting 200 to win 100, let's say. Moment. Let's just do the fit. He Got finishes it. his contract. It's easier. So here we go. 200 ah. to win 100 that he finishes his contract, 100 to win 250 that he that doesn't finish his contract. Mm -hmm. okay. I am going to bet 200 to win 100 that he does finish his contract. I, I think he's going to finish his contract. I'm going to bet 100 to win whatever more that he doesn't finish his contract. Okay, great. And here's why. I think it will be his decision because I think that the time, I think Ooh. this is almost, we are almost certainly at a, an inflection point for the thing that my friend and I have been talking about for years, which is like any minute now, there's going to be the formation of basically a men's network. It's just going to be like all the red <laughs> pills. It's going to be all the exiles. It's going to be your, your Bill O'Reilly's. And it's your this called and that Call and In by David Sachs. Dude it's Tube. Called... Dude Tube. Dude Tube. Dude Tube. Oh my God. Oh my so, God. I believe so that Joe Rogan will voluntarily leave Spotify to lead the Ooh, formation Spotify's of Men's blessing? Network. So he resigns with Spotify's blessing. Oh no, there will be like some messy lawsuits, or maybe they just work. Daniel will actually be thrilled, right? Like Daniel Eck will be right. thrilled because he. No, that's be what I'm saying is I think Daniel's move would be I, if it did happen that he resigns. See, I didn't even consider this. If he said, "I asked to be let out of my contract. I won't take the last year's money." Right. Daniel Eck gave me my blessing. We'll still be on Spotify, which won't be exclusive. Right. That's a ooh. What and then an they form the men's network for both parties with Elon. Totally like, right. Like there's just going to be, and they'll be like, yay, the truckers, which is God help us. Our next story. Here we go. Like, next story. That's, hmm. that is my bet. I'll take a thousand dollars for that. That's how gambling <laughs> works. Right. <laughs> okay. We got our bets on him finishing his contract. We, I believe he's going to finish it. Molly believes. Um, he will not. What would you take Nick? Does he finish his contract or not? Since you've set lines. I don't think he will. Wow. I don't think you will. I think it's it's uh, fascinating. The storm is rising. It really feels like it's getting like crazy right now. Well, that's Wait, how these the, cancellations the go. Oh, there's momentum. <laughs> oh, is that is that a QAnon thing? The storm is rising. I <laughs> yeah, mean, it no. feels like a lot of people are talking about it on Twitter, and yeah, I, I think kind it's of feel like in, in these it's big tech companies, one. the employees have so much power. And if if all Spotify mm -hmm. employees are just like, "Hey, we're not coming to work until he's off the platform," I don't know what they're going to do. You know. I think the advertisers hold more power than the employees. I think if we, and also those distribution partners, I think those two that's actually have one. more impact. That so hardware thing, I yeah. did not know that. And I actually think that's a bigger problem for Daniel Ek than I would have even, than he was already in now. I don't know if the hardware partners want to lose Spotify. So that seems to me like a big risk. Like you were saying right. in the pre-show, like how frustrated you were that Spotify didn't work really well in the dashboard of like a tesla it was like a mm -hmm. limited version right mm -hmm. uh so i think mm -hmm. mm, people love that spotify interface mm -hmm. i don't know they would bro rogan funny good one chat bro rogan
when you're scaling your startup quickly, hiring engineers can slow you down like nothing else. We all know that. Well, here's some good news for you. Lemon.io will find you the perfect candidate within, wait for it, 48 hours, I kid you not. And what is Lemon.io, you ask? They're a marketplace of engineers from Europe, where some of the greatest engineers in the world are based, and they'll match you with a candidate again within just 48 hours. That's two days for those of you doing the math at home. And if it doesn't work out, they're going to replace the developer right away. So there is no risk for you with the founder of a startup. And they test and interview every developer to eliminate the risk of a failed project. So we got a testimonial from Launch Portfolio founder Drew Fabricant, and he told us that Lemon was a game changer for his startup Scout, which is a lead gen platform. They do great stuff. They were under the gun. They needed to hire a developer with a very specific skill set as soon as possible. And Lemon delivered. And they were a pleasure to work with, according to my pal Drew. So not only did they find exactly what they were looking for, but Lemon also delivered them a second engineer really fast. What a great story. So here's your call to action. If you could use a full-time or part-time developer to run your projects faster, I want you to go to lemon.io slash twist. Again, lemon.io slash twist. And you're going to receive a 15% discount for the first four weeks of work with a developer. What a great deal. He's doing his own comedy club thing with Spotify's money, like in Austin. So that's kind of his thing to do his own comedy club, support other comedians. So if he did like his own Comedy Central slash Joe Rogan network and he gave everybody shows, because remember, Mm -hmm. I think he inspired a bunch of people like Lex Friedman. I think he inspired to do a show. And I think Kevin Rose inspired Tim Ferriss to do his show. So Mm -hmm. you could see like a Tim Ferriss, Joe Rogan collab to create like a bro network it's gonna happen oh actually if you got lex if you had lex tim ferris joe rogan man that would be the number one podcasting network in the world immediately then you get a little ben shapiro in there oh boy all right let's we're continue. now to the part that i don't want to talk about anymore facebook <laughs> and meta <laughs> <laughs> oh god is that still going on too jesus back at when facebook uh back when Europe passed the GDPR, the General Data Protection Rule, which is basically their big privacy framework in 2016. So initially, the GDPR said, you know, this is not going to be possible. You're not going to be able to transfer data. And every company in the world freaked out. And the, you know, United States, the Department of Commerce, the EU and the Swiss administration all came in and said, well, maybe we can come up with a loophole. And they came up with this idea of the the privacy shield. If you can transfer this data super securely, then we'll allow it. But then in 2020 the european court of justice said no way like first of all there's no way you're going to be able to transfer this data securely second it is ultimately in violation of the gdpr and so facebook and meta have said okay now this is a giant business risk for us and it's under scrutiny so the flip-flopping continues so the flip-flopping continues and meta is now warning Mm. shareholders and the sec that they might this is where it just gets sort of dishy and like really has now warning shareholders in the SEC that they might just have to stop doing business in the European Union. We're going to leave. Wow. Holy cow. So wait a second. They're going to pull an Uber, Lyft kind of move where when they said, hey, listen, we're going to regulate you really hard. We're going to cap the number of ride-sharing cars. Famously, Uber and Lyft took a very aggressive approach, which was to go to their user base and say, hey, email de Blasio or whoever and tell them you want to be able to take Uber because if not, we're just going to take our service. And they actually did that in Austin. They paused the Austin service. It created like a third-party app called Ridesharing Austin or something that tried to sort of compete with Uber and Lyft. And then finally, I think they gave in. And and this is what uh, Bradley Tusk, who is 
kind of a lawyer lobbyist uh, type who knows how to like manage these relationships. He came on the podcast. He had worked with Uber on this and he had, I think, you know, helped refine this aggressive stance. So what we're saying here is, and that was episode 1327, if you want to go into the archives family, um, what when Bradley Tusk was on. So the, the Facebook and Instagram and just turn off in the EU for a week. Yeah. That would be wild. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that the question is like, is this a giant bluff by Facebook and Meta? If they did turn it off, what would happen? Like, or yeah. would European users be like, that's cool. We have TikTok, so we're fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that would be the, I mean, can you imagine you wake up to Instagram like, hey, by the way, December 31st, 2020 will be 2022, but the last day you can use Instagram in Europe. <laughs> uh, I mean, if you'd I, like to contact your legislator, is, click here. Do we believe so here's what a meta spokesperson said to city am which is like a london publication we have absolutely no desire and no plans to withdraw from europe but the simple reality is that meta and many other businesses organizations and services rely on data transfers between the eu's the eu and the us in order to operate global services do we believe that meta simply cannot there is just no technical way for them to do business without sending data from the EU to the US. I think it would be a hassle. And what would happen is you'd have to place your ads twice mm -hmm. as an ad, you know, as a marketer, you'd have to go into the interface, I guess, twice. It's technically completely possible. So I think maybe it's inconvenient for them, but completely possible. Just like other things, you know, if you want to sell something in the EU, and let's say you make a product, a, a physical product in the world. There are EU regulations around electricity or chemicals or whatever. Mm -hmm. If you're a manufacturer or a product maker, you have to pass United States, North America certification, you have to pass the EU certification. So I think hardware people have to do this. Food people have to do that, right? Yep. So yep. Well, it, just, it, it sounds crazy that an internet company would have to do it, but it's completely possible. It doesn't seem like it's that hard work. And it seems like them saber rattling, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I think so too. I think they're just set. saying, I mean, they could without a, without a doubt. I, honestly, I think it's a probably a bigger burden for smaller companies who would have to have a physical infrastructure in both. Like, I'm not questioning that for a company the size of Meta, this is a difficult proposition, right? Because if you're just serving Facebook and Instagram to users across Europe, some of them might be Americans, some of them might be citizens of some other country that's not a member of the EU, some of them might be EU citizens separating out that data is super tricky. Now, mm. you could spin up a physical infrastructure in both places and never share that data, but then that would mean that you wouldn't have that data to share with your advertisers, and that's the lifeblood of your business. Mm. Like, I do sort of get that it would be a little bit tricky. I think it's probably is harder it for small businesses, and I'm totally with you yeah. that they have the money to do this. They just don't want to, and they're trying to scare people into thinking Correct. you're not going to have any more Facebook. And I'll be real interested to see, you know, we talk about, I've talked for years and I think I even saw somebody um, talking about this with earnings saying mm -hmm. like, we're really starting to separate out the essential from the, the um, voluntary, right? Like Facebook right. is a purely voluntary service in some, in many ways, not completely because a lot of small businesses rely on it. Right. But like, do you need Instagram? No. Maybe not. If Amazon yeah. said, we're going to leave Europe. That's different. That's different. Or Uber or DoorDash. Like, oh, I can't get from point A to point B. I'm stranded at the airport or 
Yeah. I can't get yeah. an Airbnb and I, you know, I guess I could stay in a hotel, but you know, it's cost prohibitive for me. I, I just want to also point out, like, this is continuing the slide. I was just looking at um, my stock chart. The peak 52-week high uh, was 384 from Meta. They're at 225 now. I think they're down from the peak in the past six months, like 38%. Like, this is becoming mm-hmm. existential. We're, I mean, is it going to be a Peloton-like collapse? Price-earnings ratio for uh, meta is now down to 16. So as we do our fun with numbers, you know, as we're apt to do here on this pod, yeah, it, it's, it's starting to look like a buy. But in terms of separating out data sets, let's not be ridiculous that this is impossible for a company with Facebook's technical ability. Apple, as but one example, operates in China, they have their iCloud service there. They have a local partner, all data for Chinese customers on their iPhones is done with a third party partnership. Why did Apple do that? So they don't have to turn over dissidents. Yeah. So they don't have to turn over journalists. So they can say, we don't do iCloud. I mean, it's called iCloud. It has all the same functionality, but we don't do it. It's done by this other third party in this province in China. Yep, 100%. But we don't talk about Apple's Chinese business because we love Apple. <laughs> but I mean, Apple <laughs> is no literally, Apple is probably turned over more dissidents for torture than and use more slave labor than any company Maybe with the exception of Nike. Just so we're clear. Yeah. Just so we're 100% clear. And that, but that really gets to two, you get to two really important points here. One is like sentiment. Sentiment really matters. If you like the product, you will defend them. And the fact <laughs> As we have seen in our YouTube comments all day long. <laughs> um, if you don't, you probably won't. So Facebook is in a doubly weak position here. One is sentiment. Like there are plenty of European users who, given this challenge, might be just be like, okay, peace out, you know, I'm moving on. I'm going to build a website for my small business instead of using Facebook. And two, they're in a financially weak position. Like you just said, like here Facebook is in a total stock market slide. It's power and influence declining dramatically before our very eyes. And this is the moment that they're going to try to make a like, power users move? love us stand a power move. Yeah. I mean, they're You're going for a knockout a punch bad- now. Yeah, I mean, I'm no. sitting here with my new Shiv Power Bob, and I'm like, that's a bad move. Bad move. I mean, you it's kind of like, you know, like if you're going to try to throw a haymaker, you know, while you're already like beat up a little bit in the like seventh or eighth round of a fight, like it's a high risk maneuver. And uh, mm-hmm. this is not the time. They're, they're so weak right now. This is like they're going to throw an interception. Like it's a really bad situation for them. They're hated. Nobody's rooting for them. Yep. And this is where, you know, I said this for years. They should have shared a revenue with content creators and publishers. I hate to tell people this, but if the New York Times and a bunch of other news organizations were printing money with Facebook and a bunch of creators were printing money with Facebook and they were sharing the wealth and they were protecting people's privacy by letting them pay for a, you know, uh, ad free, collection free, there would be some people rooting for them. Like when YouTube has, when people challenge YouTube, the creators are like, what are you talking about? YouTube's great. Facebook, they've never given any money to any partners. They've always taken 100% of the money. If they had made the same deal with Instagrammers that YouTube made, mm-hmm. you take 55, we take 45. Mm-hmm. Think of all the Instagram people who'd be like, hey, don't mess with Instagram. It's great. They would be the first people talking to the EU regulators or whoever. Yeah. Hey, man, Facebook's not that bad. I make a living on Facebook. Are you having design problems? Well, you need to check out SuperSide. SuperSide is a great alternative to old school expensive agencies and messy talent marketplaces. 
They help you get quality design at scale. Superside has created an entirely new category, which they call CAS, C-A-A-S, internally. That's right, creative as a service. By subscribing to Superside, you'll get a dedicated design team built specifically for you and access to a platform that makes it easy for you to request designs and have them delivered quickly. They are a fully managed service and completely hassle-free. They work with brands like Amazon, Salesforce, and Shopify. You've heard of them before? I mean, these are incredible brands, as well as tons of fast growing startups. Superside only hires the top 1% of designers from around the world, and they make sure your team has a full range of capabilities from ad creatives and landing pages, super important, to motion designers and custom illustrations, beautiful, and even memes, my favorite. So here's your call to action. Go to superside.com slash twist and get 3,000 or more in credits when you sign up for your annual subscription. This is a twist exclusive and valid only for the next three months. I want you to go to superside.com slash twist that's S-U-P-E-R-S-I-D-E dot com slash twist to get $3,000 in credits when you sign up for that annual plan. And the only people Facebook could ever bring up, and you actually brought it up, was like, hey, small businesses rely on them. But those small businesses are spending money with Facebook, aren't they? Mm-hmm. They're spending money on the ad network. So it's yep. kind of like, yeah, maybe they'll spend it somewhere else. So I think and you have to build a coalition. And the coalition for Airbnb is the hosts and the fans of that product. Coalition mm-hmm. for DoorDash, the drivers, and the people who love to get food. Same thing with Uber, Lyft, and everybody else. You have to build a coalition of people who you're in business with so that when you do have problems, they fight for you. And Apple users who are delighted with the products fight for them as well. Joe Rogan's people fighting for him. Who's fighting for Facebook right now? 100%. Zero. 100%. And on top of that, Facebook has quietly behind the scenes, and they aren't very loud about it, but it's pissed off every advertiser it has ever had. Like advertisers hate working with Facebook because they're so arrogant and their numbers are always wrong. And frankly, it sometimes seems like they just straight straight up lie about their metrics. So all these, so even though Facebook and Google have the lion's share of digital advertisers right now, Mm -hmm. you know that advertisers are like, we do sort of wish we had an alternative. Mm -hmm. No one, no one is taking their, like is going to put in their flag and be like, no, we love them. any path to turning it or if you, I mean, I think we, did this uh, on uh, last week, but if if you if all of a sudden we started a PR firm, you know, mm-hmm. Wooden Calicanus uh, PR services, and we <laughs> just decided to secure the bag, be a high price marketing agency, yeah, PR crisis agency. What would our crisis advice be to Zuckerberg at this point? I mean, I'm sorry, but it's new CEO. Like, wow, Mark needs to pull a Larry and Sergey. You're the chief sure. product officer. You're the exec, you know, chairman, emeritus, exec chair. president, executive, executive chair. But honestly, the only thing that will give people confidence at this point is like a leadership change. Mark and Cheryl. Oh, now. really? I, I see. I thought Cheryl taking the top spot might be an interesting thing. So, like, she could bridge it. Like, okay, I know what we did, and here's how we make it better. Um, and here's the changes. Okay, so then total I, I mean, Cheryl is like literally complicit in every... She, I mean, honestly, the architect of uh, a lot of this. Of stuff. the ad network, for sure. I mean, she architected ad both network, ad sure. networks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. It might work for her to stay, but not be CEO. President. She becomes president. president. So, and then you bring in a CEO who... Softer, kinder, gentler CEO. Yeah. Get your, get your uh, Sundar. He, or oh, your Satya. Wow. There you go. Yeah, so she is currently COO. So she right. becomes president and you bring in a new CEO and COO. Mm-hmm. 
And that, you just I start mean, honestly, moving towards a kind of gentler. Here's my top two things. Today we're announcing our creator program. Our creator program gives 55% of all revenue to the creators who join the program. And we have a special fund of $250 million for underrepresented creatives. <laughs> yada, yada, yada. Super cynical move, I know, but <laughs> I just talked about how cynical those moves are. We did something really bad. So now we're going to pretend we're going to do something really good over here. Uh, and also, then the, like, we're going to give Joe Rogan $100 million, and then we're going to give all these other creators from underrepresented groups, like, I don't know, a million. But like, no, it's how like, does that uh, help? Yeah, a million each. Anyway, 100 totally million separate. total for Joe. <laughs> uh-huh. Right. That's actually a really good point when you look at it. It's like, we're going to give this white comedian uh, $100 million, and right. then we're going to give all of the underrepresented black folks in the program $500,000 each. going to split the exact same amount because we just want it to look as bad as possible. It's a little bit of a breadcrumb kind of like, here's some crumbs off the edge of the table kind of situation. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, there's my first one. And then my second one, we now have a program for $49 a year, $5 a month, where we will delete all of your data and not track you if you pay for the service and we'll remove all ads so you can have a delightful experience. You do those two things. You do those two things. The entire ship turns CEO. around. New. With, a, with a new CEO, the stock rallies 30%. Yeah. 10% on the 10, 15% on the CEO announcement, 10, 5, 10% on each of the other two. You mm -hmm. now have an ad-free tracking-free version that's paid, and we'll share what percentage of people use it for regulators to see how effective it is. And the second one is, listen, we're going we're gonna to share the wealth with news organizations and, oh, that's the other piece. So the creators oh, include yeah. news organizations. Totally. So mm -hmm. any news organization can put their full stories on the site, and we'll give them 55% of the revenue to those pages. So Not if you're sure. the New York Times, or you're This Week in Startups, or anybody in between, The Verge, you can publish your content like Google AMP, and we will just pay you on those pages. And you can display your full story in Instagram, WhatsApp, and um, Facebook. Mm -hmm. And when you see the full story there, we'll just ship you 55% of the revenue mm -hmm. and link back to you. So you get a little SEO juice. It's all good in the hood. It's all good. All right. GoFundMe is returning $7.8 million in USD, $10 million Canadian worth of donations intended for the convoy of Canadian truckers protesting Canadian vaccine mandates. The protest call for, called the Freedom Convoy has been underway since January 29th, if you've been living under a rock. According to the Ottawa police, there have been seven people arrested, 100 tickets issued, 60 criminal investors so far, mischief, thefts, hate crimes, property damage, whatever. GoFundMe was created to pay for food, fuel, and other expenses for the Freedom Convoy. Originally, GoFundMe cut off the funding after it determined the protest violated the Sites terms of service due to unlawful activity. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, I don't understand that. I thought it was civil disobedience, but maybe they said it was inciting violence. Okay, fair enough. That would be if they are inciting violence. That would be totally valid. Violence uh, has occurred. Violence <laughs> has occurred. Okay, and so I guess we have to make that. That that's a jump. That's a decision they have to make. That's a hard one to make, but I guess they made it. There were also sightings of Nazi Confederate flags at the protest. Okay, not good. Quote from GoFundMe Medium Post, following a review of relevant facts and multiple discussions with local law enforcement and city officials, the fundraiser is now in violation of our terms of service. Term 8, which prohibits the promotion of violence or harassment, has been removed from the platform. According to GoFundMe's first update, we will work with organizers to send all remaining funds to credible and established charities cho chosen by the Freedom Convoy 2022 organizers and verified by GoFundMe. People went nuts in response to this, being accused of fraud by the likes of Governor DeSantis from Florida. In response to the backlash, GoFundMe decided to refund all the updates. Uh, the update we issued earlier below enabled all donors to get a refund as outlined in a plan 
to distribute remaining funds to verify charities selected by Freedom Convoy organized. However, due to donor feedback, we are simply simplifying the process. We will automatically front all contributions directly, uh, which makes sense. Uh, mm -hmm. That is the right move. Uh, thoughts on this one? Molly. I mean, you can't do that. Like, is that? You can't say we're canceling this fundraiser and we're redistributing the money to charity because you're not the you're not a government like i think initially gofundme made a, an emotional decision here in the face of the fact that as this protest got bigger hmm. thanks to the support of various people <laughs> including joe Rogan, yep what it did was start to attract a bunch of january six types Yes. No, I mean, look, it started to attract a bunch of people who have been essentially engaging in an ongoing campaign of harassment and occasionally violence right. to get what they want, right? To stop, to, to like protest vaccine mandates and to say that their freedom is paramount above all. And so you see InfoWars flags, you get the Confederate flag, right? You have a you, bunch you of randos. You get the wacky fringe. So GoFundMe is looking at this yeah. and they're like, oh, good. Now we're part of a terrorist movement, right? Like, the, because these yes. tactics are fundamentally terroristic. And they're like, okay, well, if this, if we were law enforcement, we'd be like, oh, you were raising money in pursuit of this thing that is going to inevitably turn violent. And we can seize the funds and do whatever we want. That's like what the government would do. Yes. GoFundMe can't do that. Right. And that no. was a, that was a mistake. This is However, the problem. Yeah, this is exactly the same question as Spotify. What do you do when everybody is insane? Right. And everyone is chasing this this money mm -hmm. around this like super fired up base. Yes. And Such a can't grift too. Yeah. They can't do that. But the thing is, then someone came to their senses and a lawyer was like, you can't do that. Like, I get what you're saying, but you can't do that. And now they're refunding the money and the story's over other than the fact that like it's a other than the fact that the city of Ottawa is like under, you know, like complete state of emergency. Because Listen, this is, is completely out of freaking hand. I tell you, I would have had no problem with the January 6th protests if all these folks surrounded, you know, the Capitol, sat down, took out their guitars, oh and God, sang, we shall overcome. <laughs> totally fine. Sure. Civil yeah. disobedience. We believe something was wrong. The second you start beating up cops, breaking windows, you now have opted into violence and committing crimes. And you go to jail. And then if you... Decide you're going to bring a bunch of long rifles and you have a plan to take over the building violently. I don't care if you're on the left and, you know, you're a part of the weather underground in the 60s and those are liberals, you know, committing violence and crime and killing people and beating up cops. That was terrorism Or too. you're on the right. It's all the same violence, right? Mm -hmm. Unacceptable. And that's what happened here. You know, th this could have been a, a nonviolent protest, which is completely allowable. And if people don't want to get the vaccine and die i'm really sad about that but i don't want to hold people down and give them shots either this is, this is literally people nobody's holding down these truckers and trying to give them shots this is literally yeah. like they're saying if you want to come into our our city ottawa which has a 90 percent vaccination rate and you want to bring this virus with you because you won't get vaccinated mm. for work right like your company and or a country has a right to set its own rules and if you don't want them and you don't like them, go get another job. Move on. Yeah. I see. This is the one where it's a jump ball for me. I understand for frontline workers, I understand pilots and people working on airplanes, closed spaces, teachers. Yeah. Like if you're going to be interfacing with the public, that organization has a right for you to require you to get a vaccine. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know with truckers. Are they? Hmm, I don't know. Are they interfacing? Should they be forced to get it? I don't know. Where do you think the line is where people should be forced to get a vaccine in their jobs to keep their job? Do you have a feeling on it? It's, it's like, for me, it's a, if you're publicly yeah. facing a teacher, healthcare worker, and the whole system shuts down. If you're an independent contractor working from home, no. If you're a trucker, are you interfacing with that many people? I don't know. I, I mean, mean I, I don't know. Like, why wouldn't any company say, I don't care if you work at home. If you get it, you're a productivity risk for us. Either you get sick and you yeah. miss a bunch of days of work or you get, a, you know, you die, right? Like, you're an insurance risk. Like, yeah. Every company has a right to make a risk-based analysis sure. for itself. And if a, if a trucker who is unvaccinated gets COVID and is out for five days to forever yeah. as a result, that's a business risk. So do they have yes. the right to make that call as a business? Sure. Yeah. And then I guess mitigating all this is the fact that Omicron is not as deadly, yada, yada. And we're kind of at the tail end of this. I just can't wait for this to be over. <laughs> we can stop fighting about this like group of people. The 20% of people who refuse to get vaccinated. Who don't I mean, just and, refuse to get vaccinated, who refuse to get vaccinated violently. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's a subsection okay. of the 20%. There's a like, subset of the 20%. Yeah, yeah and that part is just like, that's, yeah. I'm sorry, that's indefensible. Yeah, violence should never be condoned if they are, in fact, being violent. I have no sympathy. They should be arrested for beating up cops or anybody else. Period. End of story. I cannot believe that this is going to be considered a lefty position. I think a business has an inalienable right to yes. make decisions that's that are in the best position. interest of its business. Yeah, you're a capitalist. I mean, I think yeah. Yeah, that's a capitalist position. Is the and business if I'm gets a company design. and I want to make yeah. money and I want to maximize my productivity, I don't want my people getting sick. Yeah, or having an outbreak. I mean, you're right. it's actually you're pretty closely aligned with how a lot of factories are looking at this. Yeah. I, I was actually this watching- This productivity question. It's super freaking mercenary. It is pretty mercenary, yeah. Anyway, it's, we, this pandemic's got to be over. Please, Lord, let this be over. Because we're literally fighting over. Oh, it's now I feel like everybody is fighting over the end game now. And then it's going to be fighting over the blame game, right? That's the next phase, I predict. is like the second it's, half this of this year. This is going to be years. Is going to be like the 9-11 commission. It's going to be like the, you know, Russian investigation. It's going to be years of like, who made a bad decision in the middle of a hundred year pandemic? Like, right. kind of hard to make these decisions. Know. Yeah. I mean, like the, the mask mandates one is like, was there any downside to wearing masks when we didn't know how deadly this was and the, the hospitals were full? No. No. And now is there, conversely with Omicron, like, and the, if the masks are in fact doing nothing, I mean, we're wearing a mask from the, I, literally, you know, I'm up here in the mountains and like, nobody's wearing a mask, not even from the front desk to the table at the restaurant, then taking them off, like yeah. that whole thing, yeah. or like on the mountain skiing, there's nobody wearing a mask. And everybody sitting next to each other on the wow. six-person lift, no masks. And these, this is liberal country. This is not yep. Tennessee or something or Texas. We're not in Texas or Florida here. Mm-hmm. Liberals have given up on mask mandates. They're, it's, I mean, are you? What are you seeing in really wow. in the Bay Area? Are people still oh. wearing masks? Oh, they'll be. I mean, it's a cold, dead hand situation in the Bay Area. <laughs> like I'm going to be out here, like take your freaking mask off, like give it up, and it's yeah. not going to happen. I mean, really? I think Aaron Staley huh. in our chat makes a really good point. Every single leader in the world made a bad decision and a whole series of them and they right. continue to make the bad and and the, and now the decisions are emotional and they're political and they're not about right like the the completely obvious statement that a business yeah. has a right to make decisions that are in the best interest of its business the end exactly like, 
we are so far past that when you can at the snap of a finger whip up, you know, an insane series of protests with Nazi flags out front because you don't want to do that. The, yeah. the like <laughs> the repercussions of this are going to last for years. I'll tell you the one I found most offensive. This is going to be a nightmare. This was the one I thought was the most offensive. If you are anti-vax and you want to do a protest and you want to do a sit-in, okay, fine. Do your sit-in. Do not bring your nine-year-old and then have them have yourself get arrested and then have your nine-year-old taken by police because you and the two parents have been arrested and there's nobody else to take care of your nine-year-old that you're scarring by bringing him to this goddamn protest. Did you see that in New York? No. There, uh, somebody sent me the video like, this is what a lot of bad parenting you guys are doing. You know, you're guess. arresting eight-year-olds. And it's like, then somebody's like, Jake, don't fall for this nonsense. The eight-year-old or nine-year-old is being gently taken by two female police officers. It's a little girl. They're being incredibly compassionate, talking to her, trying to calm her down, putting her in the back of a police car because they have to take responsibility for an eight-year-old who's alone in New York City. While these dipshit parents mm-hmm. went into protest, not being able to go to the museum without a vax card. And it's like, literally, you brought your eight-year-old or nine-year-old to a protest to be abandoned and scarred for life. Like, not a good move. Seriously, as like one parent to another, how dare you? If it was a nonviolent protest where you're singing Kumbaya and we shall overcome on the steps of the museum, okay, fine. You made a parenting decision. I might not agree with it. But don't get arrested and le- abandon your child for s- your own... Uh, uh, it's yep. really gross. I'm really upset about that one. If it's true, I mean, who knows what's true? <laughs> Somebody can fact check me because people are releasing videos on Twitter and like, I don't know the providence of what's happening in half these videos. And then people are like, take a position. I'm like, I'm, I'm literally not taking a position on a random viral video without context. Yeah. That being the number one one. Let's change the subject briefly, Please. shall we? Okay. To another what? startup. To another startup. Peloton, which I know totally our companies are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. We're going to have to like bring it back down to startup land. However, we talked uh, time has no meaning last week, I guess, about Peloton's Hmm. massive stock drop and whether it had started to potentially become an acquisition target. We talked about like who on earth would ever buy them. And I, of course, was like, well, the design aesthetic would suggest Apple. No question. And then Jason was Mm. like, no, no, no. Mm -mm. Amazon. Ah. And then sure enough, here comes the Wall Street Journal to be like, turns out Amazon and others are indeed sniffing around Peloton. Of course. To potentially of buy. Of course. It. Of course. Mm-hmm. Explain again, because this was such a great insight. Explain again why Peloton. I mean, I'm sorry, why, uh, why Amazon? Am- why Amazon? Okay. All right, let's roll the clip and hear what I said, and then I'll I'll if I'll uh, I'll add some commentary to it. Three, two, go. Because Amazon could move these like nobody's business. Amazon sells like it. a $400 knockoff though. I know, but if Amazon owned Peloton and they made it part of Amazon Prime, your Amazon Prime membership gets you, you don't have to pay the 40 bucks for it and it just makes more people not unsubscribe from Prime because mm-hmm. it's a sticky product. Mm-hmm. And they don't have health right now. So yeah. if you want to keep people from unsubscribing, so that's, that's it. It's really about churn and adding new members. Yeah. So let's take a look. If Peloton had two or three million members, what percentage are Amazon Prime members? Let's say 50%, 60%. Mm-hmm. What's the mm-hmm. overlap? You know, the, Amazon could quickly figure that out. They literally just, during due diligence, get the email list, get the names. They have a data scientist to take that, uh, and they can do this with an NDA. 
uh, as part of the M&A process or a third party could do it and they could just tell them, we estimate 50% overlap. You know what that means? That means a million more Prime members? Oh mm-hmm. my Lord. Mm-hmm. And what it means is then Amazon does not need to make a profit off of Peloton. What's the number one complaint about Peloton? Too expensive. Right. 40 bucks a month, 30 bucks a month times 12 months. You keep the thing for 50 months. You know, you're starting to talk about $2,000, $1,500 in fees. Well, if you bundle that, now the Amazon Prime just gets bigger and bigger, or the family plan from Apple would be more robust. And so I think Apple and Amazon are the two logical uh, folks, but I think Amazon more logical because they have that supply chain. They're making white label products in China. They have their, we talked about that brand from India. What was oh, that? Right, Slomo? Right, right. Dang it. We keep talking Solimo. about it and I forget the name every time. It's the Solina. worst name ever. Solina, Solomon, maybe. I don't Solimo. know, Saruman, it's the Saruman brand. Anyway. Solimo. <laughs> Solimo, the worst branding ever. But anyway, I have those Solimo vitamins. I take them every day. Yeah. And so I think they could produce it cheaper, reduce the margin on it, say, you know what, we, we don't need to make money on this. What we need to do is make an impact and get to 10 million members and then keep them. So that that's, that's one of the things mm-hmm. when you watch these acquisitions. When they occur, somebody in the business development unit has a thesis, and the thesis here is more prime members, which was the same Whole Foods concept. Yeah. Whole Foods became a way to sign people up for Amazon Prime. You ever go to the supermarket, Molly, and they're like, do you have a Safeway number? Do you have this number? Do you have that number? Right aid, whatever. They want your phone number. Same thing. That's why they bought Amazon. That's why they bought uh, Whole Foods. Yeah. I mean, honestly, and, and Amazon is already in a hardware and a mm-hmm. fulfillment business they would have economies of scale around the supply chain issues they've already said like that's not really a thing for us i mean i think it makes a ton of sense there were some interesting other um potential buyers in that article but i can't remember what they were yeah i don't think they were any basically what we're saying is here like that was a cute idea I had about Apple buying them, but this is why Jason's so good at this because Amazon makes so <laughs> well, much sense. I, I would say so much I, sense. I would rank. I, I don't. I think it's sixty seventy percent chance. If if there is a buyer, I would say sixty. I would say seventy percent Amazon, twenty percent Apple, ten percent other. If I was well, handicapping, it, it would it. legitimately move units. Like I have a knockoff, right? I have the mix bike, and I'm paying thirty bucks a month for where the did you buy subscription, that? and I bought it. Well, I bought it from their site, but oh, if okay. Amazon all of a sudden Amazon, came yeah. along, it was like, we sell Pelotons and PS are 20% cheaper. And the, yeah. the membership is rolled in with prime, which you already have. I, I would, I would actually Heartbeat. buy a Peloton. Like there's no need for me to do that. I have an exercise bike and I still would be like, oh, that's great. Cause I don't want to pay yes. for this other thing. Like genius, all right. genius. What a great episode. Uh, thanks for watching everybody. And we'll see you next time on this week's service. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, Rachel reporting here. On February 14th and 15th, we'll be hosting Founder University Intensive. This is a two-day program for founders. Now, this course is only open to women founders. We'll be hosting a course open to everyone on May 9th and 10th. You can apply for both at founder.university. And applications for the longer 12-week Founder University program are due on February 14th, and you can also apply for those at founder.university. Follow Jason and Molly on Twitter at Jason and at Molly Wood. If you're not a boomer and prefer TikTok, search for This Week in Startups to find the fan account at this underscore week underscore in underscore startups. And our official account at TWI Startups. But honestly, the fan account is way better than ours. And if you're still not tired of hearing from Jason six days a week, you can hear him read his book, Angel, at 
angelthebook.com slash audible.